Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message with our lead pastor, Zach Maddox. If you're a part of Connection Point Church, you should have gotten a letter in the mail this past week. Uh, we had gotten some questions uh, early on, you know, about half our congregation usually gives in person, about half online. And, and so for those that usually give in person, it's been a little bit harder now these last couple of weeks. Uh, so we just felt like we could accommodate that by sending home a letter uh, with a giving envelope that, that can be mailed back in because we have people coming to the church to drop those off. And, and we want to do our best to facilitate those uh, stay-at-home regulations we're trying to abide by. So it's kind of a simple way for you to continue to give in whatever way best works for you. I want to thank you for your generosity in giving. I'm going to give you a, an update next week and, and taking a look at our things like our food pantry and the way that God is allowing us to, to really help uh, the community in which we live through that and through, through other means as well. So, so thanks for being faithful in, in your giving at this time. Uh, the Lord's provided great opportunities for us to, to share the gospel in word and in action. And, and so thanks for helping to facilitate uh, our ability to do that as a church. And I, I trust you're also doing that in personal ways as well. Uh, with your neighbors and family and friends. And, and so thanks for your giving. So if you're giving, you can, again, do that online at ConnectionPointChurch.org. Uh, if you're on the online campus today, uh, you can't do that through Facebook, but the online campus at online.ConnectionPointChurch.org, there's a, a giving uh, button there as well in the header, and so you can do it. Um, you can do that at any time. If you want to do that now, that's fine. If you want to do that later, that's, that's fine too. Or if you uh, want to plan on uh, those giving envelopes to be able to, to return gifts, that, that's fine as well. Whatever way works for you, I just uh, want to say thanks uh, on behalf of the church of, of continuing to be faithful in giving. Um, so today is Palm Sunday. It's, it's a day where we recognize uh, from 2,000 years ago, Jesus on this day, 2,000 years ago, came into Jerusalem to shouts of Hosanna which is actually means salvation is here. And we can rest in that confidence today that salvation is with us because we have Jesus. And so what I, what I thought I'd like to do today is actually just go through some of the events of that week. And, and uh, because we uh, had a, a team of our uh, from the church, so we had about 20 people from Connection Point Church in Israel. Uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago, we came back. Um, we've been back three weeks now. Uh, thankfully, we did uh, have opportunity to avoid uh, the coronavirus as we traveled. Uh, we've been three weeks and everybody's healthy, and so we're thankful for that. Um, but one of the things we did while we were there is I had taken some footage of a Jerusalem model that we have. And so what I want to do today is just kind of walk through and give you some mental pictures as we look at these passages of uh, Jerusalem around the time of Jesus. It's actually a little bit after the time of Jesus, but it helps us to better understand where these stories are taking place. You know, sometimes we read the Bible and, and we don't have a picture to go along with it, but I want to provide those pictures today. But what I actually want to do is pick up from where Pastor Jim left off last week. You know, he shared from John 14. And so what I want to do is start with that verse, because that's where we're going to end this morning. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, Pastor Jim chimes in. <laughs> I do. I hope you've got God's Word with you. I hope on these Sunday mornings you're gathering, uh, you're joining us in song that you're not just observing, but you're really participating in the service. And we've got online hosts that will interact with you, and so you can jump in that way as well. But we're going to be in John chapter 14 this morning. I'm just going to take a look at verse 27. And then we're just going to look at some selected passages today. So reading verse 27. 
Jesus, as he's with the disciples, he's at this Last Supper, what we call the Last Supper. He's got this final meal with them. And, and here's some final words he shares. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. What wonderful words for us today. And so Jesus shares these words, and that's where we're going to end today. But what I want to do is is talk about some events that lead up to that Last Supper. And what I want to do next week is actually pick up from where we'll leave off today with uh, this message on Palm Sunday. But an Easter then pick up from Gethsemane, crucifixion and resurrection. So we're going to take some time in these passages. Let's, let's just really think about the events of that Easter week from 2,000 years ago. So what I want to start with is what today is, the triumphal entry, the, this Palm Sunday. So I'm going to read from Luke chapter 19. And here's what Luke writes, throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. So I'm going to, the reason I'm starting with this passage is because the things that make for peace, I think sometimes we miss it. But Jesus provides it. And I want us to really understand that today, that Jesus gives peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground. You and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. So as we went uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, what what we found is I got some footage of this Jerusalem model. So what I want to do is share with you just a, a brief video that kind of pans this Jerusalem model so you can kind of see what we're looking at. It's about the size of a basketball court. So it's a really big model. So we're going to go ahead and take a minute. I want you to see that uh, so that you can, what we're going to do is have still images or pictures that will highlight different uh, points of this. So this is, uh, it was empty <laughs> because... Uh, that was the scene when we were there. So anyways, um, but it's, it's a really big model. So this gives you the model of what Jerusalem would have looked like at the time of Jesus. So what I want to do is just give you some mental pictures. So then where does it occur that Jesus is coming down the Mount of Olives? So we're going to jump to a picture so you can kind of see now I went to the southern end of this model. And the Mount of Olives, it's not part of the model, but what you can see there is what would be called the Kidron Valley, which passes right to the right of the temple. And Jesus would have been coming down the Mount of Olives, and there's this door that we've circled on your picture uh, that he likely would have entered in through. Now, there's some scholarly debate. There may have been some other doors along the side there, but no matter what, he would have come down the Mount of Olives. He would have wept over the, the site of Jerusalem and that they've missed him. So many have missed him, but then he would have come into the city somewhere on on the southern end of the city. And what I want us to to think about this morning, I was was thinking about every one of these. So what I want to do with each one of these events is think about what's the application for us today. And I was thinking about the fact that Jesus paused and wept over Jerusalem. 
and uh, we've been getting more reports now, and even uh, last night I was getting some reports of people that are struggling with uh, the coronavirus. And I always feel like, you know, a good place to start as we consider jumping into Easter week is maybe a good place of starting is lament. You know, could we lament over the loss and, and where people are struggling? And, and I would say, too, people are struggling in their homes. Um, you know, one of our prayer points has been on those online prayer meetings is, Lord, we pray for the home situations that maybe aren't healthy and good. Uh, I just pray, Jesus, your peace fill those homes. Um, so maybe a good place for us to start as uh, you get into abiding time this week with Jesus is maybe tomorrow start with lament. Jesus, it's we mourn over the loss of life. We mourn over the struggles that people are facing right now. Lament might be a good place to start. So I'm going to just kind of encourage you as we think about Jesus uh, coming in for his triumphal entry. He wept over the city. He lamented. And that was where he started. But then what happens next? So I'm just going to highlight some of these events. There's actually some scholarly debate on what days these occur. So I just want to highlight a few of them. But the other thing that we see happen after Jesus enters the city is he clears the temple. So when you consider uh, that, that model that we're, we're on, uh, I'm going to go jump back to that picture um, because I want to highlight a couple of things that are there. We didn't necessarily circle it. But on the picture, what you'll find where he enters in from the south, if he entered in from the south, no matter what, it would have been not far from what you can see is it's kind of a box. So we didn't circle it. But if you just go just up from the circle where the door is that we've designated where he entered, there's, it's a pool-like structure. That's actually the Pool of Siloam. So that pool of Siloam would have been a place where people could have been pilgrims going to Jerusalem for uh, festivals, for Passover, that they could have gone into that pool as a place of cleansing because you had to be purified before you went into the temple. Um, so one of the things that could have happened is Jesus enters the city after the triumphal entry is he and the disciples could have gone through uh, purification of the pool of Siloam and ascended up to the temple. You can see the temple there ascended up to the temple. And what they would have done while they're ascending is actually quoted the Psalms of Ascent. So if you're in small groups, you would have started getting those devotionals this week of the Psalms of Ascent. That's why they use those. They were ascending up to the temple. And so they would actually uh, go through those psalms in their ascent to the temple. Psalms 120 through 134. And they just would have selected some to do. So they're going up to the temple. But once Jesus gets there, we see that he, he becomes angry. And there's a reason he becomes angry. So we're going to jump to another picture that shows us the Temple Mount area. And let me read from Luke chapter 19, verses 45 and 46, because here's where those events occur. And you can see the large circled area. This is, this is where that happens. It says, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people selling animals for sacrifices. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. So I actually shared a, a message from this passage last April. Uh, it was called Step Into Your Extraordinary Life. Uh, if you were here for that message, it's likely you remember it because I flipped tables on the platform. Uh, I actually came in. So I came in before uh, the week before to talk to, to Jim. And I said, so, Jim, I'd like to flip some tables on the platform. And he just kind of laughed. And he's like, oh, you're serious. I said, yeah, I really would like to flip some tables on the platform. So I said, what tables could we use? And so he found a wooden table. And we're like, well, let's go try it out. So we brought it on the platform. I flipped it. And it obliterated. So we decided that was not a good table to use for that purpose. So we found some other tables. But I'm not going to get into that message this morning. But I did share at length in that message why it was that Jesus was upset. He was upset because temple leaders, the, the second smaller circle, what you can see there on the Jerusalem model, is, was this fence that had a sign posted that no Gentiles could enter past this space. But it wasn't really meant to be that way. 
Uh, so we also have a picture of the stone, one of the stones that would have set there. This is in the Israel Museum today, so you're looking at a 2,000-year-old sign. And here's what the sign reads. It says, No foreigner shall enter within the balustrate or the fence of the temple, and whoever shall be caught shall be responsible for his own death that will follow in consequence of his trespassing. This is why Jesus flips the table. Because when you look back at Jeremiah, in the context of the verse where he says, My house will be called a house of prayer. What's in the context there is that all people, all nations were meant to have access to the temple. It was never meant to be restricted. And so then thinking about application for our own lives today, and and, and again, the current situation, we have to examine our own lives. In what ways are we living that could actually keep people from having access to God? Because, you know, the temple's not in Jerusalem today. We are the temple. We know this, that we bear the image of Christ, that we, as wherever we go, we're bringing the presence of God with us. So in what ways are we restricting access to God? And sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's not, you know, not intentional. You know, that I would say this, I guess this is what I put before us this morning. I was thinking through uh, for Shelly and I, like we have such incredible opportunities right now to share the gospel. Why? Because people are receptive, because they have realized that the world is not as it should be. That because they are, are not necessarily in a firm foundation if they don't have a relationship with God, they're looking for answers. And we have that answer. So I would say right now, in what ways are you putting yourself out there to let people know you have answers? Um, one of the ways, and I've shared this before, that, that we try to do that. So we made a post on the, on the Nextdoor app about a week ago. We actually waited until we knew uh, from my travels that we had not been exposed to coronavirus. You don't want to make yourself available until you realize you're, you know, you're not going to infect somebody else. Um, but I made a post, and the, the, the subject line was praying for you. And just shared that, you know, as we're walking our dog, so we've got a, a puppy a couple of months ago. As we're walking our dog, we're praying protection over the homes in our neighborhood. You know, so just let us know if we can pray with you. And if you have questions about the hope we have in God, let us know. Uh, so, I, and I didn't say that because I'm a pastor, because simply I'm a follower of Christ, you know, and I, um, and so it was interesting though. So here's what's really cool that, you know, there was lots of comments and people messaged me on that post and, uh, every week then you get kind of a, an email to say, you know, top post from the week in the next door app. And ours was number one for this last week. People are open to the gospel. And so my question is, are we living in such a way that they have access to him? Um, so let's make sure that we're not restricting access to God in the way in which we live. Uh, and then we take a look at, well, what happens after that? We find um, that the response of the temple leaders, the temple leaders were not happy with Jesus for what he did in overturning money changers tables. And they, there, there's some debate as to whether Jesus and the disciples actually took over the temple mount for the day. Kind of seems like they did, which means there was a loss of revenue for a day. Temple leaders weren't happy with that either. Um, but here's what we find in continuing in Luke chapter 19, says the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the other leaders of the people began planning how to kill Jesus, how to kill him. Um, so obviously, these guys were not happy. I mean, to the point where they wanted him gone. They wanted to be rid of Jesus. Uh, so if you, if you visit Jerusalem today, one of the museums that you can go visit in the Jerusalem court of the old city is the Vol Museum. And so here's a picture of what these priestly homes would have been. So these are the priestly homes of 2,000 years ago. These guys were living it up, and they had mosaic floors, they had frescas, there's other pictures I could show you where they had, I mean, these homes were adorned richly. And this is at a time when most people lived in a a one-room house. 
So these guys were benefiting greatly from the partnership with Rome they had. That the temple leadership, they made a lot. And they made a lot, too, with the way that they exchanged coins. So when Jesus overturned those tables, they knew that they were making money off of, you know, you couldn't bring your sheep with you, so then we're going to jack up the prices because you've got to sacrifice. I mean, there was this whole system where they were thieving people. And Jesus was upset about it. So there was lots of reasons why he had to be upset. So if you look at the Jerusalem model, so again, so now I'm kind of panning around further to the south. The, the circle that's on the left is the approximate location of those priestly homes, these red-roofed homes. And we know that as the temple leadership is planning and conniving and figuring out how are we going to kill Jesus, Jesus continues to teach in the temple daily. One of those places is the circle on the right. That was a popular place of teaching. It's the South Steps. So just to give you some concept or, or some context of Jesus' teaching on these steps, the temple leaders are plotting, how do we get rid of them? This is what's happening in the course of that week. And so I was thinking, again, so what's the application for us as we think about how the temple leaders were upset with Jesus? And what were they upset about? They weren't embracing what God wanted to do in that time. They, they really didn't have any interest in what Jesus came to do and what he wanted done. And, and so I thought about that for us. And instead of embracing what God was doing, they were fighting against it. So think about the situation we find ourselves in. Now, God did not cause the virus, but we know that he'll use the situation for his good and his glory. We know this. And so I've thought about how many things in the last several weeks have been stripped from our lives. Uh, sports, um, shopping in stores, dining in restaurants. Uh, even for the, the church body, we can't gather in the way that, that we're used to. And the question is, are we trying to work around it? Are we maybe even trying to work against what God might be trying to do in our lives right now instead of embracing the opportunity we have to really lean in and into God and put our faith in Him and Him alone? Uh, because one of the things that we could identify right now in our own lives, and maybe this is something for self-examination, is and what things have we put our faith in we didn't realize. Sometimes we do things we don't realize it. But then all of a sudden it's gone and you're like, man, I, I didn't realize how much faith I was putting in that particular thing. Um, so I, I think we should examine our own hearts and lives. In what ways uh, could we make sure we're embracing what God is doing right now instead of fighting against it? And so while these temple leaders are trying to figure out how to get rid of Jesus, and Jesus is continuing to teach in the temple daily, what we get to is, is the last part of the week, and this is where I really want to spend our time this morning, is Jesus has his final meal with his disciples, this last supper we call it, or the first communion, however we want to label it, um, that's where we find ourselves. And so I want to read in Luke chapter 22 for the context of this meal. It says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us prepared? He said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house. The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. Now, it's not certain exactly where this upper room is. Uh, I'm going to point out on the model. We know for sure it's within the city walls of Jerusalem. And so one of the locations it could have been is, is in one of the homes uh, near the temple. So we've kind of circled, look, these, these are homes here that it could have been in. Part of the reason I'm identifying that is we know when we get to Acts that the disciples seem to return to the same upper room 
and they would not have been far from the temple when the Holy Spirit descends on them on the day of Pentecost. And we'll talk through that when we get to that passage, but I'm just, for the sake of conversation this morning, I'm going to say that he's probably not too far from the temple in the house. We know that he's inside the city walls. But I want you to think about that. So I would say this, as we look at some of these words of Jesus, because that's what we want to do this morning, is I want to take a look at some of the discussion and dialogue that Jesus has with the disciples. They were just in a room. And and so I think about that for us. I mean, it's going to be much more like this than in the sanctuary. It's going to be much more like your living rooms, wherever you find yourself this morning, than in any other context that we could be in, that they had gathered and, and had this intimate meal together. And Jesus has this incredible discussion with his disciples. And the reason I want to focus on John chapter 13, and and John in particular, is is there's more written about the conversation Jesus has with the disciples in that gospel than in any other. And there's some really, really neat things that Jesus shares. And, And the context is, Jesus knows he's about to go to the cross. Jesus knows the world of the disciples is about to be turned upside down. That their lives are going to be in chaos. And so then Jesus is giving these final instructions to his disciples to say, and here's how you live and to be able to embrace and handle an upside down world. How do you live right side up in an upside down world? And so I just want to take a look at a a couple of things that we find that Jesus shares. And I would say the first thing we find from John chapter 13 is that Jesus starts by washing the feet of the disciples and then he encourages them to do the same. And I would say, here's the takeaway. When your world is upside down, service to others keeps you grounded. When your world is upside down, service to others keeps you grounded. And I would say for every one of these points I'm going to share, it could be its own message, but I I didn't want to do that this morning. I actually would like for you in in the comment section on Facebook or on the online campus, what are some ways you think that you could serve others even in responsible ways, as we talk about social distancing, you know, there's, there's things that we need to do, but there's still ways that you could serve others. So maybe in the comment section, just go ahead and put down some ideas of here's, here's a way that I'm looking to serve others right now, or here's a way that I could this coming week. But then what else does Jesus do? Well, he says that one of the disciples will betray him. He says one of the disciples will deny him, and that the only way to heaven is by loving Jesus and having a personal relationship with him. So he kind of, he gets into some heavy topics, And so then what's the takeaway for us? The takeaway is, is when your world is upside down, it's important to stay loyal to Jesus by obeying his commands. We've got to be intentional that way. That when your world is upside down, it's so important to stay loyal to Jesus by obeying his commandments. So maybe some things to comment. What are are some things that Jesus has been laying on your heart, the Holy Spirit's been putting in your heart this last week, of things to obey in order to remain loyal to Jesus? Because when your world's upside down, sometimes it's hard to remain faithful. But it's so important. Jesus points out, it's so important to be faithful to him when our world is upside down. And why is that? Because in the end, eternity is at stake. You know, this is is temporary. We know this. Eternity is at stake at all times. And so we've got to make sure that we live with eternity at mind. But then Jesus continues to share. So what else does he share? He says, love one another. We talked a lot about that. Uh, We talked a lot about that with For Greater Lafayette, that what does love require of us? So then what's the takeaway? The takeaway is, is when your world is upside down, it's important to love others like Jesus loves you. When your world is upside down, it's so important to love others like Jesus loves you. Um, So again, in your comment section, what are some ways that you could express love to others right now? Uh, Maybe, uh, I know for us in our household, it's been a lot easier to think about people that we haven't called for a while or reached out to, and we've had great opportunity to do that. Uh, I was on a Zoom call with my brother yesterday. It was his birthday yesterday with all of the siblings. We've never done that on somebody's birthday. 
Um, so what are some easy ways that you could express love to others right now? But what else does Jesus share? Well, there's, there's this whole series of confidence-producing statements. That's part of why I love John 13 and 14. Like, he just goes after it. To, he knows that the, the disciples' world is about to turn and become chaos. But here's what he says. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. What a wonderful promise right now. Jesus hasn't left us. There's no social distancing with God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, he's with us. And then I want to go back to the verse that we started with today. So here it is. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. One of the things that stood out to me yesterday as I was going back over these verses is Jesus makes a point to say, not as the world gives to you. And so I was thinking about that. What, what then's inferred is that in the world, there are things that we could add to our life that provide a temporary peace. And I think that we could probably all be guilty of that on some level. But that's not the peace we're going after. It's a peace because that's a peace that doesn't last. The peace that we need to go after is the peace that only Jesus can give us. One that's a permanent peace, a steadfast peace, a lasting peace. And that's how we can live fearless lives because Jesus is the one that can give us lasting peace. You know, as we continue our series in, in fearless, that's what I was processing. And and so then I guess the, the takeaway this morning is, is what kind of peace do you have today? Have you realized in the, in the last several weeks that maybe you've only had a temporary peace? Because you've had these things, a part of your life that have provided it. But now maybe God is highlighting and bringing to the surface, you know, because God loves us so much, he'll use circumstances to say, hey, in case you didn't realize, you've kind of missed the lasting peace I can provide. But we can enter into that. So if you don't have a steady ongoing peace in your life today, maybe it's because you had previously found peace in something that doesn't last. Maybe God wants to say, but now I want to provide you the peace that lasts. So then the question is, what are some of those things? I was thinking about what are some things that maybe you've had a part of your life that, that kind of have a temporary diminishing peace? There's actually a lot of things. Um, working out. Working out kind of provides you like a measure of calm and peace, but it's not necessarily a lasting peace. Shopping. Shopping could be one of those things. Playing sports. Going to events. Uh, going on vacations. Playing video games. Reading. Even working a job. Depends on your working environment. You know, <laughs> some working environments are stressful, but some working environments, there is a piece of going to somewhere steady every day. Fishing. I would say the list could go on and on. And what you'll find is that most things in life actually fall into the category of these provide temporary peace. There's only one thing that provides permanent peace, and it's, it's Jesus. So then the, the question is, but how can we find, how can we experience that peace only Jesus can bring? Because he says, I give it to you, but there is actually something we have to do to receive it. So what I want to do is continue in John 14. And at the very end of John chapter 14, what Jesus says is, he says, come, let's be going. So Jesus says, peace I give to you, peace I leave with you. And then shortly after, he says, okay, now let's be going. And so it's, it seems as though what happens is, is Jesus leaves from the upper room. So if you go back to those, the houses that he was in, so he was in some upper room setting, they leave and now they're going to the garden of Gethsemane. We know that's where they go next. And so what is understood is, is Jesus then continues to talk to his disciples while he's traveling. And that's what we find in, in John chapter 15. So the contents of John chapter 15, it's understood that Jesus shares while he's in motion. So they're walking and Jesus provides this instruction. Here's what he says. So he says, peace I give to you, peace I leave with you. And now they're walking and he says this, abide in me and I in you. 
As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is our answer this morning. Jesus gives lasting peace as we abide in him. That's it. He gives us his peace, but we have to abide in him to receive it and receive it daily. You know, it's not just a one-time gift. It's it's an everyday, Jesus, I need it today. So when your world is upside down, here's really the last one. It's vital to abide. When your world is upside down, it's so vital that we abide. And that's why the emphasis that I've shared is that one 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 principle of join us on a sunny morning, gather, because that's abiding in him corporately. Spend an hour in corporate prayer. If you've not jumped in one of our, our daily prayer meetings, I encourage you, find a way to do that. We've got two in the day, two in the evening, one in the morning. Um, I know for, uh, for Shelly and I, like we, uh, I lead usually the Tuesday one, and then I jump in the Friday morning one with the Troyers and others are there. And it, the, I have found there's no better way to start my day than in that prayer meeting on Fridays. It's, it's such an encouragement to my soul. So I encourage you, find a way to abide. Um, how are you doing right now? Abiding in Jesus. That's, that's the question. Are you starting your day with him? Are you reading God's word and spending time in prayer? So I just, I encourage you to experience lasting peace. This is really the whole point today. To experience lasting peace, we must abide in Jesus. So we can have it. I mean, so I love that Jesus leaves it with us. He gives it to us. But to, in order to, for us to experience it, we've got to abide in Jesus. Uh, so what we want to do today is do exactly what the disciples did, that we want to close our time in communion. So I'm not sure if you've prepared that or had that chance. So we're going to give you a minute, you know, go ahead and run to uh, the kitchen and, and grab some juice, uh, grab some bread. Uh, maybe some of you remember to get grape juice and bread. Uh, it's likely a lot of you did not, and that's okay. Uh, I was actually thinking about that this morning because it's different. You're providing your own communion elements. Usually we do that together and, and do that as a church body. But um, our, our believers who are in house churches in the Middle East, so I can tell you, they do Coke and falafel. So that means whatever you've got this morning, it will work. So if you've got soda crackers and water, that's okay too. But just go ahead and grab something. You know, get that out for your family or for yourself this morning. And we just want to close by taking communion, and then we'll close in song as well. But what I'm going to do is, is we're going to take a look at Luke chapter 22, and we'll take a look at verse 14. But feel free to grab those communion elements, and I'll read through it, and then I'll go back to the, the verses where we can take communion together. And when the hour came, he reclined at table. So now Jesus is in this Last Supper setting. And the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired, I love that, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. This is something Jesus desires to do with us. He wants to have communion with us. He wants to to come into your living room and take communion with you today. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this, divide it among yourselves. So we did that this morning. I had my sanitary gloves on, so it's it's been fun to try to process and think about how we do all these things in responsible ways. And For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood. So what we want to do is, is start with the bread this morning. So if you want to take uh, the bread in whatever form you have it today, we just want to participate in this last meal. Jesus, as he gives this discussion with the disciples, 
He knows he's about to go to the cross. He knows that their world is going to be chaos. And so wherever you find yourself this morning, if you're lacking peace, my prayer for you as we take communion is that you experience the peace of God in your life. So God, we're just going to pray over the bread. God, we just, we thank you. We thank you that you sent your son. We thank you that you sent him for this week that we're celebrating, this Easter week of of 2020, where we can remember and reflect upon the events of that week. And Lord, that before he went to the cross, he said, peace I give to you. He wanted his disciples to live in peace, and he shared principles of how they could do it. And so, God, I pray that we would apply that to our own lives today. Lord, I pray that we would find ways to serve others, Lord, that we might stay grounded. I pray, Jesus, that we would love others well and reach out to those maybe we haven't had opportunity to for a while. I pray that we'd reach out to others in our own body. Father, here at Connection Point Church, and and check on one another to see how we're doing. God, I, I pray that you would help us to see one of the things that, that you said in, in those passages is that we would see greater works done. And I actually really believe that we're seeing some of those things right now. So God, I just pray for each and every person that's here in this conversation this morning. I pray, Jesus, that they would witness you doing greater works now than they've been able to experience before. Because we know that you do great works in chaos for whatever reason, God. And so, Jesus, I just pray that we experience those greater works today. And Jesus, I pray that you lead and guide and direct us. Show us, Father, the way forward. Fill our hearts with your peace and love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take the bread together. We'll take the cup. He said, likewise, the cup they'd eaten saying this cup is poured out for you it's a new covenant and my blood do this in remembrance of me so let's just pray over the cup this morning jesus we thank you that you were willing to shed your blood for us lord you as the final sacrifice that no other sacrifice was required after your death on the cross and so god we just thank you that that we can turn our lives and hearts over to you and experience lasting peace lord steady peace not temporary but but the peace that, that doesn't leave us. But Lord, I just pray that you would help us to abide in you daily, that we might experience your ongoing peace in our lives. And Lord, as we experience that peace, I pray that as, Jesus, as others ask questions about where that peace has come from, Lord, that we would just continue to point to you, point to you, point to you. And God, I just pray uh, that you would lead us today. Lord, meet us where we're at. I pray that you enter into the heart and home of every household. That's tuning in here this morning. And Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take the cup together. We're going to close in song, and so I invite you to close with us in that way as well.